0: welcome back to the diaries of the wild ones. Now I want to take this opportunity to apologize to you guys the listeners for having no episodes come out in the last few weeks. So, I took a job up in central Queensland back in construction because I've got an off-grid house that I'm trying to finish off in Crescent Head and I just wanted to go up and get some bulk cash. Now, I thought I was going to be able to juggle the two doing the podcast and working in construction, but I just couldn't do it. The hours were too long and it just didn't happen for me. Now, I'm so stoked that that job's over and I'm back on the podcast train. And this first episode coming back out has just happened so organically. So I went away and I worked these long hours. And whenever I do anything like this, the first thing for me that I do is go straight back to nature. Something that, it just grounds myself. So I was up in central Queensland and you've got the Keppel Island chain. It's like 40 islands just off your poon there. And I decided to... um, to go out and just do a camp trip out there. I had my spear gear. Um, I didn't have any camping gear on me. So what I did was I called our sponsor, Wild Earth Australia. And even though Wild Earth is a sponsor for this podcast, I really want to thank them so much because they actually blew me away as a company with this. So basically, it was a Wednesday afternoon and I planned to leave on a Saturday. And I put a list together of what I needed and I didn't think it would make it up in time. So I emailed Wild Earth and I said... I need a backpack. Now, the range is too big on the website. I just needed to refine. I just said, can someone on the on the floor give me a backpack that has great back support and that is like 60 liters plus something? And I kind of said what I was go- going to do and what I was going to use it for. Now, they sent me up this Osprey backpack. And I've got to say, it's the best backpack I've ever had. They also sent me these Luminade solar lights so that you can charge your phone on and these little blow up lanterns. Now this it, for me is a game changer with my um adventures it's a complete game changer. They fold down to like completely nothing. You charge them in the sun and they lit up. I camped really high up in a tree on this trip and they lit up the whole tree. And they also sent me another thing that was a Nemo sleeping pad. Now they sent me a big Pretty much they sent me all my gear, but these three things really stood out and they really made the trip really comfortable for me. So basically I put the order in on a Wednesday afternoon and I got there. I was thinking that it wasn't going to make it in time for the trip, right? And I get home where I was staying on the Thursday afternoon and the package is there. And I just could not believe it. I ordered it late on the Wednesday afternoon and there it was on the Thursday. So just a massive thank you to Wild Earth Australia for sending me that gear and being so efficient. So if you guys at home need anything for your next adventure, camping, running, survival, backpacking, hiking, these guys have it. Go to the website wildearth.com.au, put in the discount code to receive 10% off. Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. You won't be disappointed with these guys. They are such a great company to support and I am so stoked I'm part of it. Okay, so I took off on this trip. So I got a boat out to the Keppel Islands and then I basically hiked over the back of Great Keppel and I had a plan that I was just going to, um, I wanted to sleep in a tree. So basically I climbed pretty high up in a tree and set up some ropes and basically put a hammock up in a tree. And I just slept up in the tree for a couple of days and it was amazing, especially when the wind picked up at night and you're swaying with the breeze. And I had all my spear gear and so I started spearing for fish and catching fish, um, which was just amazing. But there was a whole heap of yachties there that are on their way following the winds north. And so I started trading fish with the yotties, and this ended up opening up this Experience for me. Now, when I travel, I like to say to myself, let the experience take you traveling. So I'm on the beach living in this tree, meeting all these cool people um, that are on these yachts with all these amazing stories. And I start trading fish with them. And then next thing I get an offer to come sailing with them and go spearing with them. And I end up with this guy, Simon, um, who had the most interesting story. And basically, all I had to do, I stayed with him for about a week and then I had to go back to the mainland. Um, get my recording gear and come back out and stay and stay a few more days with him. And this episode is the product of that and I think you guys are really gonna enjoy it because it is a product of this amazing it's the expression of the experience that I had out there and it's amazing hearing this guy's story. Enjoy.
1: (laughs) Anchored at Drake Keppel Island, out the front of the old resort. Uh, it's a beautiful day. Uh, anchored here with Simon or something, you know, like so people know. Oh, if they're going to hear wind noise and water lapping, then you're going to bring them into the. Well, the, it's up to you. I mean, I, well, I was actually just kind of thinking we might even get sunburns in there.
0: That's kind of brilliant. Yeah, get a little great. base tank going. Yeah, it's
1: good. <laughs> Sitting on the deck of this amazing pirate ship that you have. How big is this, I this be boat? Me.
0: Oh, you want me to roll?
1: You do whatever you want man Just remember that They're just going to go Beep beep beep
0: Oh let me Let the roll it
1: Yeah Well um I reckon we start with um Well we're
0: sitting on the deck Of Naval Your ship Which is what 30 How many feet uh, She's
1: 46 foot on deck And 36 in the water
0: and so this is a boat made in Cape- Copenhagen in 1958. Yeah,
1: that's right. Pretty yeah. much
0: a pirate ship. Do you know the actual
1: history of this boat? Uh, no, a little bit. I bought it from a, a crackhead, uh, ex-heron addict, in Vancouver. And uh, prior to him, there was a naval officer who owned it, and he sailed it around the world a couple of times. Uh, and then the guy before him, he sailed a lot of it. He sailed around the world. Uh, and then a couple pulled the boat out, and worked on it for about two years rebuilding the hull so out of the five boats that that were built this is the last one so from that from that boat builder this is the last one that survived like throughout all the years he was an olympic uh sailing champion from denmark and he passed away a couple of years ago but where the boat was built there's a viking museum there now uh so the boat's got quite a bit of a following there in copenhagen so it'd be nice to take this old boat back over to copenhagen yeah so have you do you have any history of where this boat sailed before uh, a little bit yeah it's been registered in new zealand california australia copenhagen vancouver and a few other places so it's pretty interesting
0: do you ever think like okay so this boat has so many stories and it has so many journeys that it's done and now it's like now you're the driver. Yeah, you can't, uh, I'm
1: just taking care of it. Yeah, that's all I'm doing. And it's, it's
0: still just doing its journey. Yeah,
1: she's a great seaboat. Like really, really good seaboat. Yeah.
0: So, wow. um, I think it's a good time to get into
1: where you're actually from and how you end up in in Australia. Yeah. yeah well, because obviously you got an accent there. My, my parents emigrated in 1974, the 10 pound palms, uh, to Australia. Moved to Australia and, um, and had me. And then after a year, I was, only, I was less than one years old, I went straight back to Newcastle in England. And, um, and I lived there for 20 years. But I was about 18 when I realized, hey, I've got two passports. And uh, I'm like, Australia looks all right. And I was the only person at college that went surfing. And you can imagine how cold it is yeah. uh, in Newcastle. So I was pretty keen to get over Was
0: it much of a surf culture there, or was it just something uh, that you wanted to...?
1: Not really. The waves were good, but it was so cold that it kept people away. But I'd get into it, and then, and then I flew over to Australia with a girlfriend of mine, and uh, basically got to Melbourne, checked it out, and then made our way up to the Gold Coast and, um, and bought a, an $8,000 sailboat.
0: So where did, where did actually your
1: yachting experience come from? Like, well, but had you grew up around boats? No, nah, not at all. I bought this boat and, and I knew it was a sailboat because it had a mast. So you're completely
0: green. Yeah, I didn't, you, you I didn't have it. it.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. But uh, being on the marina, there was a guy there called Stuart and he lived with his parents on their boat and he'd sailed around the world a few times. He was 12 years old and he jumped on my boat and taught me how to sail. So I got taught how to sail from a 12-year-old. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So where was the first trip then? Um, we sailed out from uh, the Gold Coast up sort of North Brisbane and that didn't go well, everything went wrong and um, we kind of, we did a few races in Moreton Bay, got used to sailing and then ended up part X in that boat for a racing boat and uh, sailing, sailed off on that boat and kind of sailed to Airlie Beach with a girl, another girl and uh, lived on Great Keppel Island here for a year uh so exactly where we are right now yeah it's beautiful today um sold that boat and lived with my girl and byron for five years things didn't work out and i ended up back on great kebel island and bought the old boat here at svensson's beach which was built by a dutch guy called punch svensson and uh he built the boat on the beach it took him 10 years to build it by hand so no power tools and um and that's the Svensons from Svenson Beach on actual Keppel Island
0: who have the oyster lease? Yeah, That's the fourth them. or fifth generation they've lived here.
1: It's a great family, it's so nice, and he was an inspiration. So was
0: it the, the, the guy that's there now, Svensson, is that his father that you bought the boat from? Yeah, that's so right. So it was his father that hand-built it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they've got several leases, I think, on some of these islands in the Keppel chain with the with the with oysters. The yeah, yeah. he's an amazing guy, but when I last seen him, he had... Uh, old timers or whatever it's called you know he couldn't remember uh you know he i basically turned up there after not seeing him for a few years and i'm like hey punch and he's like oh he didn't really know me and it was really sad and i said why don't you come and check this boat out i've got the boat that he built i thought he's got to remember that and we we rode out there and he's standing on the boat and just didn't recognize the boat uh, which was really sad, but he went down below, and he's like, oh, this is clever, and look at the way this goes together, and oh, look at this, because there's no hinges. Yeah. Punch-hated hinges, and as he was opening the little drawer, he stopped and slowly looked over, and he went, oh, oh, wow, and then you seen that he, his memory came back, and, and he re- recognized me and, and, and remembered. He goes, I remember, this was my boat, and my eyes just filled up. Oh, and what it a was, magical experience. It was. It was for, for about 15 minutes I had these conversations with him about the boat and how he put it together and how he built it out of the the wood from the island. And and it was amazing just to see him recognize his boat. And then it wasn't probably a few months after that he passed away.
0: Yeah, so so what happened to that boat? Where's that um, boat
1: now? Well, I, I ended up selling that boat and um, buying a warham cat, which is a cat meringue built by James Warram, great, really beautiful boat. Um,
0: oh, the wind's just picking up coming around this headland.
1: Yeah, it's such a beautiful day here. Um, yeah, I ended up buying a Warram cat and going sailing on a Warram cat. And then, uh, so I've had quite a few boats, I guess. This is my fifth boat. Yeah, right. So, so
0: have you always just been a sailor? Like, where have you got money to to,
1: um, to sail? Well, the last time, obviously, when I moved to Byron Bay after selling the Warham cat, I'd, I'd met Felicity here on the island. She was uh, worked behind the bar, and I was teaching kite surfing, and we ended up sailing south to the, to the Gold Coast, and um, we ended up selling the boat and moving to Byron Bay again. So it's like the second time I've done these big circles. Where the, I'm, the loops happening, the, which is
0: what we're talking about this morning. These loops in your it's life. It's amazing and how suddenly you're back in Keppel Islands where it all began. On
1: an old wooden boat. Yeah, it's it's strange. So I lived in Byron for ten years. Uh, building drones and that's kind of where I got the money from to to buy this boat and do the adventure of uh, going to 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 Vancouver and picking this boat up
0: that's that's something that I really wanted to to touch on you um, about is that you've had this whole circle in your life but you went back and you went and had a successful business building drones being the first drone Builder and operator, what, in Australia? Yeah, yeah. And so, what, you had that business for 10, 15 years?
1: Uh, 14 years I had the business for, yeah, teaching uh, everybody, basically. Everyone that's got a drone in Australia that's successful was taught by by my company, Aerobot. And were you, were you sailing
0: at all at this time? No, or were you living? No. What type of life were you living?
1: Uh, I was working hard, but living on on Coulomb on Scenic Drive, this beautiful ridge overlooking Byron Bay, and testing wings and, and flying contraptions. Uh, for for about twelve years, I was building drones, yeah, and, and and working with the special forces and and the fire brigade, the military police. Uh, so I worked for National Geographic and the BBC, and so I've it's been good. I've had a, I've had a good life with uh, building drones, but now it's uh, it's amazing because building those drones. It, working in a business it's just not for me like I, I've made all this money but most of the money here in Australia you give half of it to the government yeah right out of taxes it's... and GST and all the rest of it and then living you know paying rent it was, it was expensive so the money that I made I just basically spent yeah Um, and
0: how did you feel being a
1: sailor and an adventurer like a wild man for so many years
0: sailing up and down the east coast of Australia going to all these like magical islands and then next thing like being a business owner it's like did you find that you lost yourself at all or was it just another adventure in itself it it,
1: it was an amazing adventure it was challenging because i'm building drones for for some pretty wild um people you know they're asking me to do all sorts of crazy designs which was a great challenge um so it was fun but missing missing the water missing the adventure and things started getting too easy had a nice car, a nice motorbike, a nice place to live, eating really well, having smoothies in the morning. It was all fantastic, but there was no real challenge. Um, and myself and Felicity, after all those years, we just said... "Let's." We just called it quits. We were like, nah, we sold the business, and, and we went our separate ways. Um, and that was that. And then I thought, you know, I really want to get back the, wa- the water. So I didn't have much money, even though the business was turning over millions of dollars a year i didn't really have that much money so i sold the little things that i had my car my motorbike and and all my copters that i had there sold all those and then within a week i'd met this girl called erin um and and sort of took a bit of a liking to her and i said you know i'm gonna go i'm gonna go sailing do you want to come and she's like yeah where are we going brisbane I'm like, you better get a passport. I've seen a boat in Florida uh, called the Sea Witch, this beautiful 1937 catch. Um, and I was talking to the guy over there, uh, and we, we end up flying over there. But
0: So you had your heart set on an older boat originally? Y-
1: yeah, the Sea Witch was such a beautiful boat. I wanted to venture and I wanted to pull the sails up. I wanted to be hanging off the bowsprit. I didn't want a plastic sort of white sort of yeah. fancy of fillings and spray dodges. I want some, something that was going to be an epic adventure
0: Would you say because you'd been a businessman for so long and everything that c- going back to the wildlife to the adventure life that you just wanted to go as raw as possible
1: Yeah I, there was something inside of me just nothing was going to stop me And, and Were you how, scared? Like oh yeah. The
0: business? Like, were you scared oh, of going yeah. back into the unknown? Like, going back into like just yeah. letting the wind take you.
1: Oh yeah. The the fear of uh, having no money, having no income, and you know you'd know yourself when you've got no income. You, the little money you have in your bank doesn't last long. No. And it just dwindled away. And we got to Florida. The boat was rotten. It was completely buggered. Um, there was no way we were going to fix it up. I'd need a hundred and fifty thousand just to fix it up. And he was like, well, I'll sell it to you for $10,000. And I'm like, I, I can't even take it. I couldn't, it, would have, it wouldn't have. would have made its way out of the marina. And oh, and I had sure. Aaron on board. So I was like, nah. So Aaron's like, well, just go to Disneyland and then go home. And I'm thinking, nah, we're over here now. Nah, let's try and find another boat. So I opened my laptop and found this boat that we're sitting on here today in Vancouver. So we booked a flight to Vancouver, foolishly we're wearing shorts and t-shirts because we're ready to be taken on the the caribbean and yeah. sailing through the south pacific but now we're in in vancouver we got there and it was snowing It was freezing cold and when we met the guy the owner of this boat uh david he's got tattoos all over his over his face and uh, he's a heroin addict so that that was you know i thought oh you know i've spent more money to get to vancouver and here we are with this guy and we went out to the boat and the boat was in uh, filthy conditions. It was disgusting. But all the wood was solid and I could see around, could see that the boat just needed paint yeah, and some love. You could see that
0: it was an ocean warrior.
1: She was going to sail she us needed. wherever we wanted to go. And uh, For Erin, she'd never ever sailed a boat before. She'd never even been on the water other than she's a surfer. So she'd never been in a canoe or she'd never even been on any type of boat. So... She 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 was kind of naive, going, "Yeah, we're going for an adventure and um, heading out of Vancouver into the into the ocean." So, did you have a plan? Like, say, so,
0: say so originally it was to buy a boat in Florida and sail to the Caribbean. But yeah. Suddenly, now you're in Vancouver. So, how'd you adapt to those plans?
1: Well, we just said, "Let's let's get back to Australia," and we looked and went, "Well, this is on the way," and it was Hawaii. So, we just sailed straight for Hawaii. Thirty-one days it took us to get to Hawaii, and um, two weeks. The first two weeks. I was terrified just of the storms that were coming through and not knowing that the boat could handle it. And I hadn't been on the boat. I hadn't been sailing for 14 years, so I was a bit out of touch. Did, did you do some practice sails with this boat just to no, see how it... No, we just said, let's just uh, do a sea trial on the way to Hawaii. So just get thrown in the deep end? Yeah, well then, by the time you get to Hawaii, you're going to know how the boat goes, you know. People thought we are a bit nuts for that. What happens if this breaks or that breaks or the boat doesn't sail very well or... Yeah. But we got it going well. But the first two weeks being out there, I was terrified and scared of the squalls and the storms and worried about Erin's safety and worried about the boat and just worry, worry, worry. And then one day I woke up and nothing had changed. The sea was still big. There was big storms coming through and just something had changed inside of me. And I just sort of went, wow, and just kind of let Mother Nature just take me and, and you just give into it and let go. And it was an amazing changing part of my life.
0: Was was that the, do you reckon because you just, you re, it's like, oh, look at these birds flying around, come landing on the boat. Is it, do you reckon it's because you re-realise, like you had that, it reaffirmed how much bigger nature is than you? Like it just put you back in that aspect of making you feel like it connected to this like what what's that feel like i i kind of know what you're getting at i just don't know how to explain it it's just... it's
1: just letting yourself go and just putting yourself in mother nature's hands and just sort of saying you know what like you're out there you're doing it you've got no choice what's the point of worry and your mind's always oh it's always that fear what if this happens what happens if we have to get in the life raft and it and it's, hasn't been serviced in 40 years it's never going to work and what happens if the boat springs a plank and what and and you just kind of relax and just give in yeah and you just let it take you in it and and yeah i remember just the next time the squall came over instead of me going oh
0: so what's a squall
1: uh it's just a violent short lasting storm yeah so it might only last two minutes or 15 minutes but when it comes through it's pretty violent a lot of wind and rain and then it passes over so so they were terrifying did you um
0: did you do much maintenance on the boat to get it in the water uh, when you were in Vancouver, did you have we, to do too much, or just clean up the? We
1: just made it look pretty. We just painted it, uh, and uh, and you fouled it. Didn't change any of the rigging. Didn't change any sails. Didn't we? Didn't change anything other than some paint to make it look pretty. Yeah, right. Because the boat was so solid. And then uh, you just
0: had, And you've been you've been filming this the whole time because you've got a YouTube channel, um, the Geordie, the Witch, and the Wedge.
1: Yeah, you remembered. Yeah, and so <laughs>
0: where did um, where did the filming actually start?
1: Uh, well, in Canada, I woke up in the morning and get on my phone and I look at my bank balance and it was $56. And we're in Canada and I'm meant to be sailing this boat back to Australia. And uh, I said to Erin, Erin, I've got no money. And, and she's going, oh, and I'm like, I'm worried. And she goes, well, it's going to get exciting now, isn't it? Are we going to go dumpster diving tomorrow? And I'm like, dumpster diving, thinking, what's that? And then I'm thinking, oh, crap. So like, you know, the next day I'm diving in the dumpsters and and then I thought maybe I should start, someone had said Patreon's a good way to make some money and I looked into that and I said, Aaron, let's make some videos and put them up on YouTube and perhaps someone will see our story and, and, and want to sort of donate or help out. And uh, we put up a video and within a week, someone had put $50 in and $10 and $2 and, I remember waking up in the morning and looking at my bank balance and going, "Wow, I've got $400." And literally crying to think that people had seen what we're doing and 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 wanted to give us money to do to follow our dreams and it was just so overwhelming.
0: You've literally stripped yourself of everything. Yeah. And just gone on a whim. Yeah. And just isn't that just insane when you let yourself do it? It's actually just even how I'm here here today, I, I met you, I just... You're in a tree, mate. You were hanging in a tree. I was sleeping up in a tree. Well, the thing is, I... <laughs> and that's why the, the the podcast has been slow the last month is because I went away um, to do a construction job up in Rockhampton just to get a bit of money up, a bit of cash up to finish my house. And it was quite a frustrating... It from Going back from traveling again, going to do a, doing a construction job where you're working really hard, you got a deadline. Oh, man. And... Whenever I've done anything like that, I always go straight back to nature to ground myself, and I love these islands, and I love spearing. So I just came out here to spear and and to camp in a tree. And I thought i would just climb up, yeah, you know, climbed up high in a tree and put my hammock up, and then I was catching too many fish. So I,
1: a yeah, of the, to the fire on the beach and meeting you there.
0: Yeah, so I, I decided to trade some fish, and then I met you guys, and and yeah, you um. Offer me to, you know, to come on the boat. and Yeah, so i got myself just,
1: a spear buddy.
0: No, but it's just that whole thing. And I often think like with anything with traveling, with anything like that, letting, I always say to myself, let the experience take you traveling. Yeah. Like, Don't be scared of it. Just go into it. Yeah. And it's exactly like what you've just done. And like, look how it's all worked out. You know what I mean? Like you've gone over just following your dreams with like no money. Just like, it's just all you've got is the will to make it work. Yeah, and it works you and know, it, because you have that
1: will having the fear of having no money and being on the other side of the planet with a girl I'd only just met who'd never been sailing and I'm thinking one minute I was sitting there and I'm in my house I've got all my stuff I'm doing well I've got my animals I'm with my girl I've been with for 10 years I was going to marry and then bang within a month I'm now in Vancouver it's snowing I'm on a crackhead's boat lying next to this young hippie girl and I'm thinking, what, what happened? Like, what just happened? Did I was, you feel within yourself that you needed a change, that you just needed... I had to get... I was droned out. I had, I had... As drones got more popular, don't forget what I was doing. I was the only one in Australia doing it. So... And then suddenly, everyone's an expert. Everyone's flying drones. So even my friends are buying drones, and they're ringing me on a Sunday night. Oh, my GPS isn't working as, as like it used to. Or how... Why did my battery stop charging? Why is it? And, and I'm like, man, this was just overwhelming. People calling me at all times of the day, asking me about drones. Yeah, it was just too. I just got so because I, I started out doing it just for myself t- because I'm a photographer. I want to take some pictures, and and people would see this this thing with propellers everywhere, and they were like, "What's that? Do you want to sell it?" And I'm like, "Well, not really." And then I end up selling the first one for five thousand dollars and I built another one for myself. I was working for real estate and someone else seen it and they gave me five or six thousand dollars for it and then suddenly I started building them and not using them. And and I couldn't really do much about it. I was getting like a hundred bucks per photograph for real estate, making about, you know, sometimes a thousand dollars a week. And suddenly I'm selling the machines and I'm building sometimes two a week and selling for five, six thousand dollars yeah so suddenly i started making quite a bit of money and so i dropped my business eye in the sky which is what i was doing for photography and started aerobot and started actually building the machines instead of using them but it was funny because i'd build the machine for you and uh you would go away and get a great job but the job was too difficult so you'd ring me up and say hey i've got this job can you come and do it for me So all these customers that I'd sold the machines to were finding it hard to fly, so I'd end up working for them and uh, doing the job for them. So I'd sell the machine and then use my machine that they'd bought to do the job. So it worked out pretty well.
0: Yeah, double income. So I had double Double income,
1: and it was fun because I wasn't sitting there in a tiny room with a soldering iron and a laptop computer. I was now out shooting at Movie World and diving into volcanoes with the BBC and doing all this wild stuff, and it was like, oh, this is good. But it just got to a stage where I, I couldn't handle building any more drones. And uh, even when we sailed over here from Canada to Australia, Erin had to persuade me to pull a drone out. You know, yeah, right. I just, I was like, no, nah, I don't really feel like it. No. And she's like, come on, let's see your skills. I want to see it. And I'm like, all right, okay. So I'd pull the drone out and do my thing and then put it away again. So... <laughs> it's, it's it's been nice getting back into drones. I've got to say, like the the for, for myself just to put a camera. Well, for your YouTube channel,
0: filming these videos. The videos that you're doing are amazing.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's good fun. But
0: what do you reckon it is inside of you that makes you want to live a life like this? You know what I mean? And, and the life is just free. Oh, what what is it inside of you that makes you able to live a life like uh, this?
1: I I asked myself that when I was doing... When you're sitting out there for for months, it ends sailing. You've got nothing but your memories. You've got nothing else. It's just yourself. You've got nothing. And you're sitting there, and, and through the doldrums, you've got two, three weeks of just no wind. So you're just bobbing around, and, and you, you reflect on your life. And I was asking myself that, and I came to the conclusion. In fact, it was quite easy to understand. And my best friend... Uh, Steve Jackson, or Jacko, or Wacko Jacko. Me and him were, were were bestest buddies, and we would we would do some pretty wild stuff together. And uh, one day, I, a friend called me and said, uh, "He's dead." And I'm like, "What? He's, he was only 32. Uh, what what happened?" And he just woke up and had a heart attack. And and that that was the changing of my life. Like I, I went to the beach after a week of sitting at home sort of i was really angry you know people deal with death differently yeah. you might be like oh he was a great guy and i might have a beer with him and you know but yeah. for me i was really angry and i had to stay in the house for a week otherwise i would have been a danger to, to myself and others so and then i went to the beach about a week or two later and sat down and realized that i'd never going to see him again and i just thought well what am i going to do like I need to live a little bit extra. I need to, like, live. So when I started going kiteboarding again, kite surfing, I would really push myself, you know. Instead of jumping 20 feet, I'd push myself up to 50 feet. Instead of, you know, going, going to a racetrack in my car, I'd, I'd send it sideways. I'd go too fast in the corner and just... And then when I thought about the boat trip, I'm just like, man, you only get one life. You're going to die anyway. That's so what I think all the what, time. Well, what's the point? Life, what's just... the point? You're not going to get a second chance. No one's yeah. come back to tell me otherwise. Yeah. So when Jacko died, it was like, right, fuck it. I'm just going to live and I'm not going to look back. Because I think being on your deathbed where everyone's going to end up, having regrets of things that you don't do is not an option for me. So... <laughs> yeah. So sailing this boat to Copenhagen, I'm even thinking about going around the Horn and uh, round South America, which is treacherous. It's it's like the you know the Everest of mountaineering. Going around the Horn would be uh, you know it's, it's dangerous. It's 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 mental. But I just feel like for some reason I feel like I should do it. Yeah. So who knows? Oh, you yeah, have uh, a
0: da- dangerous mind. It's just like mine. Yeah. So, that quote that I <laughs> told you this morning. It's um. <laughs> The dreamers of the of the day are dangerous men. Yeah, so they will live out their dreams. Yeah, you know what I mean. I said that's um, where past relationships of of mine have, um, where relationships have failed with with me. Like in, is to the point where I get dreams and I just don't see any reason why I'm not going to do them. I just go do them. You know what I mean. And that's. Um, so scary for other people, especially women, when you need to provide security for for them. And then, yeah, there's me who's just like willing to risk so much to live out my dreams. It's not even risk. I don't even see it as risk. It's just like, you know, like crossing the when I was crossing the mountains in in Iceland. Like I didn't see it as that. I knew it was risky, but I didn't see it. It just was what I was doing. Yeah. It's just like you sailing. It's just like it's just what you're doing. Yeah. And
1: once you're in it, you're in it. Yeah. And then you relax. You, you can have a you Obviously. I think anyone that's been to sea, and says they haven't been terrified, is either lying, or there's something mentally wrong with yeah. them. Or humbled. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's, what I. It's,
0: that's what I got. I was so scared, so much at sea, and I was so humbled at the same time. Yeah, to realise it's so much more powerful. Yeah. So when you when you set sail to from Vancouver to Hawaii, that's that's treacherous ocean. Like, and you're saying you had all those big,
1: um, those big gusts, those big uh, storms coming through. We ran out of, uh, we had an old wooden stove that we'd feed with timber and we filled the canoe, the Canadian canoe that we still have, filled that with wood and the wood was petrified so it wouldn't burn. So about, we had about 10 days to go to Canada and... um, To Hawaii. To Hawaii, thanks. and, And I couldn't get this wood burning so I couldn't cook. So suddenly we were like seven days away. And we're starving and things were getting worse. Like what,
0: what did you have stowed away as for food rations? Like just we're, rice and pasta? Yeah, rice and pasta. And we, you can't cook
1: it. No, we had forty kilograms of pasta and about the same again in rice. And we're going to a an, a small island south of Hawaii to deliver all this food um in basketballs and papers and crayons to the kids and to the people on this island. And we were heading down there. It was only seven days. I'm like, it's only seven days, Erin. We've just done 31. Seven days is nothing. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. So we took off to head south. And Had you
0: cleared into Hawaii yet?
1: Yeah, we'd cleared in Hawaii, hang out in Hawaii for a couple of weeks. And and then we took off south, and we got blown towards Japan. So instead of being a seven-day crossing, it happened to be another 31 days. So, again, it was just difficult. Like, 31 days is a long time to be out there for. And running out of food was terrifying, it was uh, it was really hard. Your brain you can't make any decisions. You can't you can't get around the boat. You can't you can't you can't do anything. Um, so yeah, seven days without food was was so How difficult.
0: How did you, what, how'd you get through that? Like,
1: well, we caught a fish. People are like, oh God, why didn't you catch a fish? Well, you're in about thirty thousand feet of water. So, the fish aren 't just swimming around the surface looking for for lures, you know, yeah, like there's the fish are some of the fish out there are really deep ocean fish, so it was super difficult, running out of food, or rather running out of wood to to cook the food was just a nightmare, yeah, it was and then on to to top it off on the way to Hawaii, you would run out of food. And then I checked my my weather station, which is I used a, a little satellite phone to pull down the weather. And here's one of those big hurricanes chasing us across. And when I say hurricane, it was over 300 km an hour winds, and it's heading straight for us. And we're running from California to to Hawaii. We were doing four knots, and the hurricane's doing 14 knots. And it looked like we we're going to get smashed by this thing. So I showed Aaron, hey. W- it looks like we're going to get hit by this hurricane, and she's like, "Oh, right. Well, better charge the GoPros." <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I'm serious." And she's like, "Well, so am I." And like, nothing scares Erin um, because of a, a a stroke that she had when she was 18. She's kind of lost that uh, fear of, you know, we're surfing down waves, big waves breaking behind us, and she's like, "Woohoo, we're surfing!" And I'm like, holy shit! Like it's breaking, it's big, and she's, she's loving it. She's just having a great old time, you know. So,
0: so what happened is, does this hurricane catch up to you?
1: The hurricane caught up to us, but it petered out to about forty knots. Is
0: this at the same time you're starving?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And so, what do you do? Just stow yourselves away?
1: You we just... put we put everything on, on deck down below, and just put up a storm jib, and uh, I couldn't be we didn't have the energy to pull up the big sails it was only 10 knots we should have the they should have the whole mainsail and the big head sail flying but it was too difficult so we just put up a little tiny sail so and that was that and we slept most of the way we just slept down below we didn't keep watch which is uh, i've been told not to tell people that
0: what what happened yeah by the guy filming right now
1: <laughs> by the guy filming right now <laughs> <laughs>
0: thanks brenton um but what happens to your mind when you're starving? Like, what, what do you uh, reckon you went six days without food, you said in, in the yeah, peak? Yeah. So yeah. What What did uh, your body, what did your mind go through?
1: You'd dream about apples and swimming in cheese, and you'd think about throwing, having cake fights. And there was occasion there where I was looking at Aaron's forearm, and I'm looking at her oh, arm, just going, oh, oh like food.
0: Fine. We. We talked about this yesterday about starving, and I was saying that three days um, on an island for, for myself with with no food that I did one time. Yeah, um, I, I was telling you how hard it is was for me to start killing fish, just killing another animal. But um, that was something that I had to do when I was sailing myself in Indonesia with with my with two of my mates just to be able to get food to sustain ourselves. So it was something I had to overcome, and you know, it was, and I did that by respecting the animal and understanding what it was giving to me but then when it comes to anything mammals or any land animals I just still don't have it in me and after three days of having no food myself it's so crazy how the mind just changes and I and that's why I love I love I've got so many good friends that are vegans and I love that they are but I often wonder it's like we talked about this yesterday if, if you told everyone they had to kill their own meat 95% of people would be vegan but then at the same time you put say a vegan living in Melbourne where it's so easy to have that lifestyle and so easy to live like that you put them on an island where they're starving and see how quick your actually mind turns to that and it isn't the fact it, it's weird it's like in your subconscious it's in your DNA Some, I don't know what it is it's just I never thought so. I would have those thoughts in my life but it was only three days it was only three days of no food and I was looking at a peacock Yeah, and, and which, which three so. days before I was looking at how beautiful it was you know, like look at those feathers. Look at how beautiful those peacocks are. Ne- next thing, I'm looking at this peacock, going licking my lips, going, "Yeah, fuck, that's food." It's in my mind, yeah, it's it's, and I think a lot of people are disconnected from that. And I think it's it's a brilliant learning thing to put yourself in those situations to see, because you become an animal again. You become part of this earth. You become part. You become so connected yeah. to the environment around you, and it's like so humbling and it's so
1: people have become so disconnected in this day and age it's uh it's it's, it's overwhelming to yeah. see that people are just
0: well that that, that movie um where their plane crashes in argentina based on the real story in the andes and they end up eating the survivors yeah i mean i mean they, the, the survivors eat the dead yeah um to sustain themselves and like if you're starving we think that's crazy but like it's actually oh yeah when you're in that situation, it's oh, like no you doubt. don't see anything other than plausible. You wouldn't
1: audience. you wouldn't battle an eyelid. Yeah, After being starving it's... for six days, I would happily eat you.
0: So oh God.
1: <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs>
1: we're out at sea, we're looking at each other and starving. Come, nom, 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 <laughs>
0: so so what actually happened for you when you're starving? Like how did you how did you end up getting a feed?
1: Well, we got to Hawaii, and I, I'd, I'd called the guy up, or emailed him and said, we're two days out, we haven't eaten. In so I had your email, what, satellite phone? Yeah, he had the sat phone, so you could do little emails, just text yeah. text emails. And, uh, and he says, no, nah, it's Sunday. Um, the customs, you have to stay on the boat. And I said, no, nah, man, I'm coming ashore. I'm starving. I haven't eaten in, you know, five days now. And he said, uh, okay, well, the crew have got to stay on board, so Aaron had to stay on board. As soon as we pulled up, i hadn't even tied the boat up i'm like erin take care of that and she tied the boat up and i i grabbed my wallet and ran off and uh ran to the shop and and got the biggest burger and uh we we got the most incredible i told the guy who's making the burgers what was what was up i'm like man i haven't eaten in several days i'm i'm like "I, i need food i've got no energy help help me and he, and he said, what do you want? And I'm like, two burgers with the lot. And he ended up making these burgers so big. There was two patties or three patties and three just the most insane big burgers. And you know, people on YouTube and Facebook are like, if you haven't eaten for so long, it's not a good idea to just go stuffing your face. Yeah. You'll make yourself sick. And Aaron and I are like, these people have never been starving before. Yeah. Like, if you'd gotten my way, man, it would have been, yeah. been trouble. Like, yeah. I was starving. I ate that burger in a, in a flash and then ate all this fruit and then ate all the chocolate and then got chocolate cake and cream and just, for about three or four days, Aaron and I just ate. Did you feel sick after or did you feel energized? Nah, didn't feel sick, didn't, uh, you know, had my first poo.
0: Oh, yeah, In, in that?
1: six, seven days, had this big, healthy poo and it was just like, oh, I remember this. Well, I remember, <laughs> I was on, actually, on this island that we're anchored off right
0: now. I was on this island and... My blood sugar was so low um, from hiking and, and you know, it's plus 30 degrees, something out here. Yeah. Um, well, when I was camped out here, it isn't today. Today's is like a nice 25 or something. Yeah. It's
1: beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. glasses.
0: I'm looking straight at this. Right, last night I slept on deck. The moon was that bright. I couldn't look straight up. The stars were shining and I slept on deck with my head over the side. The moon was lighting up straight to the ocean floor and I was just staring there glistening it was just glistening oh it's just insanely it's magical beautiful out here isn't it oh it's so, so look insane. At
1: the, the water's so turquoise and so clear yeah
0: we're so lucky man it's
1: but, yeah it's an amazing lifestyle to be out here and I'm so lucky to be out here yeah
0: but what I was saying is that I was so dehydrated my blood sugar was so low um and I had that the only thing I could do was climb this um coconut palms that are on the other side of the island here yeah and I just remember I was trying not to pass out, and my eyes are in the back of my head. And as soon as I got up, and I dropped a few coconuts. I remember, um, yeah, I drank about three, and it was like it was like I had ten coffees. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah my body was at a point that when you, you could feel your body being energised from that. That was like from f- what you're putting the into f-
1: it. The fish that we caught, we caught a mai mai, a dolphin fish. Beautiful, probably the prettiest looking fish in the ocean, and and we pulled it. And Erin wrote this incredible story because she killed it, and it was really difficult for her to do that. And she would killed it, and it's still jumping and wriggling. And I grabbed it and just started eating it, like with the scales, the head, the blood, the whole. Without, oh,
0: because you'll stop. Star- this is the fish that you caught in the ocean in that time. Yeah, that starving so, And time.
1: And I had two or three mouthfuls and within so you just
0: ate it raw you literally it yeah. was killed and you just grabbed it and just started biting straight up was that just your instinct to do that
1: I was starving yeah I needed I had to eat and I, and I had three bites within three minutes I, I felt fantastic as soon as it went down in my stomach I could feel it going down my throat and it was so beautiful the fish and within a few minutes three minutes my whole body was like I'm back and my brain started working. I'm like, what on earth are we doing? Why is this little sail up? I'm like, why haven't we got the big sail up? And then I'm like, oh, it's because I didn't have any energy. And now I do. Yeah. Incredible how quick it, you, 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 hold, you just bang. You, 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 I,
0: th- I think there's something about um, also the chi. And the fi- I remember when we were surfing in Indonesia and, and when we were sailing our boat and spearing for fish and eating it straight away. As soon as we get them back, you're it. Yeah. And yeah, it was like having a Red Bull. Yeah, the coffee, yeah, just yeah. Just the energy you have. Yeah, that's a good way to explain and I talked it. And um, I talked to my mother, ex-mother-in-law was telling me about it. She's quite a spiritual lady. And was telling me it's the, the chi and the fish, the energy. It's still alive. You only just yeah. killed it. It has all that life energy yeah. there, and then you're and taking that on. Yeah.
1: There's, there's people there, because I've been living in Byron, they're going, man, it's so good for you not eating, you know? And I'm like, mate, I've done plenty of fastings. Where you just sit and you don't do anything, you drink water, right? And you're yeah. sitting in Byron Bay out in the hills, and it's beautiful. And you, you're drinking water seven days. I've done a fast. I've done a couple, and it and it is good. It's great. It gets all the toxins out of your body. And but I'm like, mate, I'm out on a boat sailing across an ocean. Like it, just sitting down, you got to hold on. Yeah. I'm Like I'm not sitting on a on a grass. You know, like I don't have a like. Just trying to explain it. To, yeah. to people like I it's need, a different book, yeah. yeah, I'm not fasting out in the middle of the ocean, man. I'm starving. Yeah. You know, there's a difference, and trying to portray that and tell people what it was like and was difficult. Did you find your mind playing tricks on you at all? Oh yeah, when you're hungry. Oh mm. yeah, yeah, your brain's completely warped. Do you do you reckon you get paranoia? Uh, all sorts of stuff come through your mind. Yeah, you just you're you're out of your mind you just you know you're thinking about jumping off the side going for a swim or you're thinking about just stupid stuff like really weird seeing oasises in the distance yeah weird stuff we've seen like something float past and we thought it was a a black guy with a bald bald head coming for us (laughs) just weird stuff you know the weirdest thing out in the whole ocean was the fact when we left about a week out of Canada I started hearing dogs barking we're about a thousand miles out at sea nothing out there I could hear dogs barking and children playing in a schoolyard. And Erin could hear those same things. You're and, kidding And me. the next day, we both looked at each other and went, did you hear that? And she said, yeah. I said, what was it? And she goes, you tell me. I said, no, you tell me. And she goes, I could hear kids playing in a schoolyard. And I'm like, wow, so can I. Like, we weren't, we, we, we weren't, we were, it was so hard to believe. But, yeah. I mean, I. I I don't know how, I mean, I was going to put it down to my memories of my dog barking or or memories coming back to me. But the fact that we both heard the same noises sort of outruled that. Yeah. So you can imagine the old school guys in the 1800s, 1900s sailing these old boats, man, and seeing mermaids and dragons. and Oh, and the whispers, they say that, yeah, the old whispers of the sea. Yeah. So probably because they're not eating. Yeah. Plus, it's all really mesmerizing. You've got this solid sound of the ocean hitting the hull, splash, splash, splash. It's relentless. And then yeah. the motion of the boat and the vastness, you've got nothing out there. We've seen one ship in 12,500 nautical miles, you know. like a How lot, many days is that? Well, it took us nine months to get back to Australia. long time oh god seeing nothing so you just lose you kind of lose your marbles a bit
0: yeah i lost i lost my marbles um on the boat we we got robbed and uh well this is actually a whole podcast in itself which i'm going to bring out i've been saving this story but we just a a short story was um we, we'd we been at sea for a while and everything. And then we were at macaronis in, in the, in the ments in the mental wise. Mm. And we'll anchor down in this bay. And we ended up, there was another, there was a Navy ship there, the Huey 2, that was doing surf charters, old Navy ship. There was all these rich doctors on it. And um, we speared all these fish and we were trading fish like just like I was on this island. Yeah. Trading fish for um, beer or just whatever. And they invited us on. And while we were on their boat, we got robbed on our boat. And we didn't know. We came back to the boat or went to bed and then... My mate started noticing things missing and I was a bit pissed and I'd been at sea and the next thing we'd been robbed and all I just I jumped to grab the machete strapped my spear knife to my ankle and took off in the dinghy and I ended up going to this village and lose my there's a long story to it, but we, we got the stuff back, but it just escalated. I ended up pulling a gun to a guy's head. Oh, it just, and really. I, even now looking back on it, the only way I can explain is that I went, I was so stripped of everything that I was so raw that my mind had gone so raw. Yeah. And it was back to that tribal instinct. Yeah. And it was just like, fuck, well, we got our stuff back, but I was just like, I, like, I'm not a fighter. I'm no. not a fighter. I definitely have, um, my own fight within me to, 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 get where i want in life you know like to push myself up a mountain or, or something like that but as in physically aggressive towards other human beings i'm not at all yeah. and this i i lost it i pulled a gun to a guy's head <laughs> 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 which, which in turn got all our stuff back we, we were robbed yeah, yeah. about all our camera gear oh, a lot of stuff about eight gram worth of stuff but yeah so yeah, I'm saving that for one for you guys. That's a good story. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to record that. Um, yeah, that's insane. That
1: it's funny how we want to get back to your own... Uh, you know, like you've got, say, all the rich people in Sydney or wherever. You know, it does not be Sydney anywhere in the world. And you've got all this money and fancy cars and a house and you go on holiday. But then suddenly you go, you know, I fancy going on a, on a camping trip. So you'd imagine you leave your big house and your fancy cars and your big plasma screens and the internet and all that stuff, and you go off into the woods and you have a fire you stink of smoke you're out there it's uncomfortable it's you you're, you're pewing in the bush or whatever like people need that and even well, there's a the connection it's subconsciously they don't realize that these people that are going out there are doing it to get back to their roots and to get back to who they really are being grounded and yeah i I worked that out a long time ago
0: when I used to go do these construction jobs away mm. um I would come home you know I'd been away for like six seven weeks or eight weeks and I'd come home to my to my ex-partner to my ex-girlfriend and um she would just hide from me for like about a week and it wasn't the fact that I was I wasn't definitely not aggressive or um angry or like anything I was just too lost within myself I'd gone from being so like prioritizing like doing a job work 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 to suddenly like I'm just high strung all I was was high strung yeah that's the best way to put it yeah so I'd get home and I and I just wasn't myself for like a good week or two, and she would just kind of like keep clear of me because she knew I needed my space and I needed to like get grounded. So like, and that being away for so long, that used to hurt me so much. So oh, I'd get yeah. home and I just would want to, everything be back to normal, like, mm. and want it, that homely feeling and blah blah. But my energy is just like on edge and high strung, and I I quickly realised like I've just got to every I've just got to go back to nature, go back to my roots and just go be raw again yeah and so whenever i do anything like that it's just like a rule for me it's like i just go straight back to nature and if i just go camp for a few days i'm just suddenly back down right. ground, back to being myself 100 myself Yeah. and then i can go back to my world like go back to my family and my friends and be me mm. where i feel like i'm not me for a couple of weeks if i don't do that you know what i mean just slowly getting back yeah. and it's like we we need that we need to ground ourselves. well i do anyway
1: the, you, for, the, the problem is with that is that when i own my company you take it with you yeah. so we went we, we took off to Keppel for a week or two weeks and we're here at Keppel island and you know fa- thanks to technology we can i can run the business from my phone i can check my emails i can check this and check that and you know you can you can still run the business but the problem is you're out here and you're loving it and you're living it and then but you're not
0: truly disconnected well
1: you're not because you know we had an email and someone wanted to sue us because the machine fell out of the sky $25,000 and suddenly your holiday, this time you've gone away to spend to get reconnected and, to, and to sort of, you know, obviously with your partner working in such a business and stress things were falling apart so we come here to rescue our relationship and then suddenly we got an email saying, hey, $25,000 you know, we want the money back because it's crashed and basically he crashed his machine he's blaming me and I'm like, I wasn't flying it you're the one that crashed it yeah, but it's your fault and then you know i talked to him on the phone and this is sitting here on the island right having a couple of weeks off and then and then of course felicity's going you see you should have checked this and you didn't do that and i'm like no i did and and now we're arguing about it because we're going to be going to court and you just can't run away from it yeah it's nice to get reconnected like you said but with a company like that it's like your little baby you take it with you everywhere your problems still come with you
0: I think that's that comes down to that balance and which is so hard to do in those situations but having that balance with anything and I th- I say that with everything in life everything in life you need balance and you can easily just tip it's a pendulum you know what I mean yeah. it's like yeah. you can easily just tip too much one way mm. you know what I mean it's like everything's amazing it's like having a business that is so amazing being successful in that way is amazing but if you get too lost in that yeah, you know you tip too much the other opposite end of the spectrum and same with this like I go on places like even at sea like I was getting too raw and like you're too isolated and you're too alone and yeah. and you don't have that's well right. at sea you've always got challenges but you know stuff in life where it gets you know there's no challenges or something and you're like mm. oh and you go back the other way you know that's
1: right yeah I'm, I've been like that I mean the being out here I can get pretty lonely you know like if if you hadn't turned up I'd be sitting here bouncing around on my boat and you kind of think what am I doing out here what am I doing like I'm so alone what am I I'm not meeting anyone talking to anyone I'm just sitting here I'm reading books or I'm working on the old boat or but the end of it is I'm I'm happy and that's what that's all that really matters
0: you're happy and you're free you wake up in the morning even I've lost what day it is like I was I yeah. told, I was supposed to be home on the weekend. I said was going to be home Saturday. <laughs> and then I said, okay, now I'll be home Tuesday. And it's Tuesday now, isn't it? And I'm still on the boat. Yeah. And it's now no, I'm like, oh, and, and the thing is, and I keep saying to myself, well, why am I even going home?
1: Yeah, like, that's right.
0: I, it's only because I, originally it was like I had this little bit of anxiety because I was like, oh, I'm going to go over to Keppel for a few days. And then my plans changed and I went with it. Yeah. And then I had this thing and I had to say to myself, like literally, I remember saying to myself, you're only slightly, you're only anxious about it because you had a plan in place. Now the plans changed, yep. So you feel like you have to stick to your original plan. Yeah. And it's like, you have to just forget about that. It's because totally. it's like, there is no responsibility. It's like, I'm running my life. That's right. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. You know, it's, it's yeah. my life to live. Mm. And it's like, I haven't promised Anything to anyone else. It's just basically, I just, I, I just thought to myself, well, it's more practical, practical if I get home and get this bo- podcast rolling again because I've got so many amazing, um, um, People, interviews like that, yeah. yeah, and then. Next thing I was like, no, this is actually and then it reiterated what the fucking podcast is to me. Yeah. Is exactly doing this. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm letting the podcast takes me traveling.
1: That's right. The podcast That's gives me
0: experiences and it's the it's the expression of the experiences that I'm having. And so, like the other day I was just like, No, it's like right now I'm creating more experiences, just go with it, it's okay. And then talking to you and like hearing some of your stories, I was like, Oh, there's there's a podcast right there. Yeah. Which actually brings me back to, I wanted to ask you about storms. So sailing and the amount of sailing that you've done, and especially coming from um, Vancouver to Australia over nine months and everything, there's got to be some wild storms that you would hit or like...
1: Oh yeah, huge. Is there any that really stick out that you really... Uh, There's there's a few, I mean, sometimes we'd have 20 squalls, 30 squalls during a day. So the squall comes, you take down the sails, put a small sail up, the storm goes over there's no wind so you put all the sails up and then within an hour here's another squall so it means you got to go up take all the sails down put it, and it would just be like that on and off on off and a lot of work you can see I got to climb out on a on a 10-foot bowsprit and unhank each each sail like it's a lot of work and we just started getting not lazy with it but Erin and I would look at the squall and go and I would say you know being the captain I'd be like look
0: so you can see them coming, you can you see can. that colour. Oh yeah, you there's the their,
1: their big black towering clouds coming straight for you and I'm like, This one looks like it's just got rain in it. There's no wind. And I'm like they've started coming through now with just with lots of rain and no wind, which is cool, that's all right. Get a nice shower. So one night, you know, two o'clock in the morning Which is
0: hard for your boat, you got no bimini. You're
1: no out got, elements we on got, this old boat. We got no cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone a bimini anywhere to hide. So yeah, we got knocked over. So the whole boat lies flat in the water. We got hit with about fifty plus knots with all the sails up at two a.m. And uh, Erin, you know, with her positive attitude, overwhelming positive attitude. Is that what you call a knockdown, Captain? So where were you? Like we were obviously asleep. not on deck. No, we were asleep down below at that stage. With the sails out. So how are you still oh, yeah.
0: sailing when you're asleep?
1: So we the the boat sailed basically the whole way without us touching the steering. Other than the first sort of 10 days where I had to set up the self-steering, which is that beautiful uh, self-steering gear, stainless steel hanging off the back of the boat. It steers with the wind. So you set the boat up and you set that up and you just, that's it. You're done. Yeah. So we slept so a So as
0: long as you're, the wind's blowing in a, the same direction. Yeah. So it's n- different to an autopilot. Yeah. So if the wind's... It's gonna follow the way the wind's blowing.
1: You set it to sail. Always want the wind to come from this angle. Yeah. Uh, so
0: so to sail that way, you have to you have to be onto the weather and looking at the the wind changes. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so then you would see that wind change, adjust the sails, yeah. A- adjust that to head. So but if you're asleeping you could easily go off course.
1: Oh yeah, if we the wind did changes. we did. We we it did a 180 degree, so we're heading to Hawaii and I wake up in the morning down below I check my phone and go oh look we've done 80 miles last night we're flying and then I went uh oh we're heading to Hawaii uh, sorry we're heading to, uh, to to California so we've done a full 180 where we've been doing flying back towards California because the wind had shifted what, with, for like 8-9 hours yeah so with, a, with an electric autopilot he's Point it in, it goes that way. Yeah, you point it to, say,
0: 167 degrees. And it's
1: always going to stay like that. And and the wind changes, so your sails flap and wake you up. But with this, it'll just keep going.
0: It's just a boat. What's that? Is that a boat coming, past? Oh, no, it's on the beach. It's
1: a with a f- we're pretty close to that. We're, we're going to have to move the boat. I've got a little bit cheeky and anchored uh close in here but the the only other storm that stands out was where it was a thunderstorm and electricity and lightning blasting around the boat and that was the only time i ever seen erin uh scared basically she was down below crying and and oh make it stop make it stop and kind of funny for me because i've gone down below and she's cuddling the mast and i and and i'm like i tap on the shoulder i'm like it's all right don't worry i'm trying to reassure that it's fine and and i'm like look if the if we i said what happens if the boat gets struck by lightning where's it going to hit first and she's like looking at me confused i'm like it's gonna strike the mast and she's like yeah and i'm like what are you cuddling on to <laughs> she's like i hate you i hate you and she got up and ran off to the back of the boat you know and like i'm like oh but i would reassure her, it's all gonna be fine it's all gonna be fine don't be silly it's not gonna and then i'd come out on deck and i'd be like holy shit like scared of, you know really scared but i'd come down and be like it's fine Aaron. it's don't worry then back on deck going oh my god we're gonna tie but these thunderbolts were so close to the boat like I mean, really, really frightening, eh? Like that was the hardest that was that was that was hard. Like scary. God the, um, the clouds like inches off the water. And
0: big waves?
1: Uh no not with not with those sort of snap, not, not really. I mean two meters, you know, big big enough for most people to be seeing it big Yeah, for
0: water to be washing over the deck.
1: Yeah, water's always washing over the deck <coughs> on this boat. But yeah, so that was probably the, the seeing Aaron scared, I thought shit then I should be scared. But being having the captain, captain, you need to be. Uh, you don't want to be scared. Obviously, if you're scared and you run around going, "Oh shit, oh shit," then the rest of the crew are going to be, you know.
0: Yeah. So you obviously keep that in mind then. Yeah. Like, being a captain, you're like you've got to. You've
1: got to be cool. You got to be cool and, and, cool, and be like, team, yeah, "Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, don't worry. Of course, we're not going to get struck by lightning. And then go outside and go, holy shit, we're going to get struck by lightning.' <laughs> uh, I I was really surprised we didn't. And she's like, can't we sail around it? And it's like, you know, 200 miles wide. It's impossible. So you just head straight for it. The wind stops. It's black. It's boom, bang, yeah. boom, and lightning. And we had, yeah, Willie, what they're called, uh, tornadoes, water, water spouts. Oh, yeah, water spouts. And we're yeah. heading straight for the water spouts. I was asleep for an hour. And Erin says, can you get cyclones or can you get um, typhoons and can, um, tornadoes. What the, tornadoes on the water? And I'm like, what? And I've just woken up. And she goes, yeah, can you get tornadoes in the water? And I'm like, what the fuck? And I get jump up on deck, and here's these two water spouts right in front of us. I'm like, how long has that been going on for? And she's like, oh, about 20 minutes or something. And I'm just like, man, didn't I tell you to wake up the captain if if something like this happens? She's like, yeah, aren't we going to be all right? And I'm like, yeah, luckily these things basically changed course and took off, so we didn't actually go through them, but you wouldn't want to
0: fucking oh, no, no. So, so what's your plans now so you've just you've sailed from, from well, Vancouver yeah, down to Australia yeah went through Hawaii
1: yeah Tuvalu Vanuatu and then two weeks from Vanuatu back to Australia I've been here for a year just getting the boat all ship shape you know and uh, started heading north uh, my first mate Erin is busy working she's a school teacher a Steiner school teacher so she's got to finish a few terms I'd like to think that Erin and I would sail this boat to Copenhagen together, but uh, obviously I've got no control over over in, in nothing. You know, yeah. you don't have any control of your of your life. If you think uh. you have, you're mistaken. Oh, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to marry you, and we're going to, you know, like who knows? I'm ever I might never ever. I might go over there this afternoon and have a beer in the pub and meet another girl who want, who's from who's Dutch, and she might want to go sailing, and I might be like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> or or, was or your oyster? you just never know, man. I mean, or, or I might end up selling the boat and moving to Byron and having five kids with Erin and living on a farm. Yeah. Um. You know. You just and then
0: ended up, ended back up in the Cape Islands again in and, 15 years. And
1: things don't work out in 10 years, and I'll be back here. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's you just never know, right? So, so, and
0: what is your plan to just keep going up the coast now? Uh,
1: I think, I was heading to. I was thinking of heading to the Louisiana, uh, Archipelago, which is, uh, um east of PNG, and it looks absolutely incredible. And then from there, maybe going up towards Philippines or Japan, hanging out there, um, and then coming back to Australia, and then then setting off for, the, for, for Copenhagen. It's too late in the year now to get to Copenhagen, just with cyclone season, yeah. you know, months away. Uh, plus, obviously, I'm building up my subscribers and Patreon to basically fund the trip. Yeah, because I'm not working. So how
0: is that YouTube channel going? Because you've getting, you're getting a lot of hits there, and your videos are insane.
1: Yeah, it's going good. Yeah, I, I, I love uh, creating movies, and it's it's been different not having First Mate on board, you know. And
0: it's it's episodic, eh? so yeah, you, you do episodes what one once a week.
1: Yeah, I try and do one a week or two a week sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun. It means that you go out and actually have to, you know, you're, you're kind of forced to go out and get new stuff.
0: Well, look at that content we got yesterday. Like, we just went, we went looking for butterflies in the middle of the island. We ended up on a beach with sharks. What There was like... I'm like, where's
1: the butterflies? There like 50
0: sharks swimming around in the shallows. Yeah, literally. black-tip reef sharks. And, yeah. and you flew the drone over and it's, that footage is insane. we got
1: some really beautiful footage of, not of the butterflies, but of the, uh, the sharks.
0: The sharks, that is insane. That's what I mean,
1: life's so so unpredictable and I love that about life sometimes it can be a pain in the ass when you plan to go and do something yeah and it all just backfires but there's always a reason for it well, that's what you have to say go
0: with it it's even like so I hitchhiked with you guys
1: um yeah. for a few
0: days and then I wanted to go to the music festival in Yipoon so I had to get back to the mainland mm. and you guys are anchored on the other side of the island and I saw that I was about to hike back and I saw that fishing go- the guy oh, yeah. on a fishing boat and I called him over Asked him to give me a lift so I hitchhiked with him around to <laughs> the main beach here and then I went to get the ferry. Um that comes once in oh, the afternoon that's the right. ferry goes back and the yeah.
1: ferry's broken down. There's no ferry for you.
0: And I've got an hour and a half to get back to the mainland to to watch the band that I really wanted to see that were playing up here. And I was just like, Look, I just remember going, Fuck, I wanna get there, like, oh, what am I gonna do? And then I'm just thinking it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. It's like, whatever's happening is happening. It's like, I get back. stuck on this magical <laughs> Island for the night. It does not matter. No. Like, you know what I mean? If I end up going over to the festival, it's like, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. And then next thing, the dive boat came over and said, they've got one, yes, one spare, spare seat. Yeah. Give us 20 bucks cash. and we'll.
1: Yeah. Perfect.
0: I'll, I'll shoot you over there. And I was,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I'm like, well, that's what's meant to happen then. You know that's what I right. mean? But it's just going with it. And I think, I think, a lot of the times people in life try and control every situation too much and they they give themselves that anxiety or just try and control things and it's this liberating feeling when you a- are able to just let go and let the universe or just let whatever experience is happening just take you.
1: I think so. That's the best time. That's th- that- Those experiences are the best.
0: Well, those experiences are when you're free.
1: Yeah. I mean, in those I,
0: moments is when you're free. I,
1: I've got f- good friends who, who take off on holiday once a year, and they book it all online. They know exactly which hotel room they're going to be in, what the view's going to look like. Then they choose the car. Oh, I fancy a Volvo. They're in Germany. I fancy yes, Volvos are safe. And what colour do you want? And yeah. what, whereas if I was to go to Europe and go to Germany, I would fly there and wander. With no out. plan. No plan. Yeah. Because that's how it's the best. That's well,
0: it's kind of like you're setting yourself up with expectation expectations when you book stuff. Expectations, that's you know? right. There's all these expectations oh, the of what you got to meet. Where if That's I just, right. That's I, exactly right. Yeah. I used to have this rule when we first backpacked. It was like 12 or 13 years ago. And it was before, um, I, don't, I, I got a Facebook page when I was in Spain. But I remember there was like lonely planet guides and we didn't even use one of them and you had all the backpackers that would travel and that was the Bible. Yeah. And they would only eat at restaurants that the Lonely Planet said. They only stay at places the Lonely Planet said. And to me I was like, I no, I'm just I'm gonna stay at places. So we had this rule that you didn't look up anything, you wouldn't research anything, you just fly into that country and you figure it out from there. And like so basically I remember flying into Argentina and we we're at the airport in Buenos Aires, and I just saw some backpackers, and I walked up and I said, "Hey, where's the best hostel to stay?" And this guy's like, "Oh, this one, one's the most popular, but this one, a couple of doors down, has better dorms, and like you can still party, and it's good for this, and blah blah." And yeah. Go here, yeah. Meet this guy. Oh, you got to meet this guy. Yeah. So, you know what you I mean? don't get that in the. And in then it. you go to this hostel nice. and you meet a couple of guys, and they're like, "Oh, where are you guys going?" Oh, we're on our way up to, to here, and you're like, "All right," you know, and you just end up and you let that experience, and as long as you're free and you don't have these. And there, those yeah,
1: you don't have expectations like mm. you said before, and that's the biggest thing. You go, well, the room looked really big on the internet, yeah, you know, and the Volvo was definitely blue. How come we got stuck with shit brown? Yeah, like whereas you get over there, you're gonna have a much better time because you don't have those expectations of the room being big enough or oh, there's a no, the view doesn't look like this. We wanted the view of the ocean, not of the back car park. Yeah, suddenly you're let down. You you know like. The expectations is a big one that I've been learning and it's fantastic
0: well it limits you so much in your yeah life.
1: yeah oh yeah you yeah mean. amazing it's
0: just like but it's you... it's learning to it's just it's just that old saying learning just to let it go yeah just letting things go and just letting it go and just and just being Mate, just that... li- it's just living it's just literally just it's like it sounds like talking about it sounds so like like hard to oh, it's like a thing that yeah, but it's just it's actually so easy.
1: Well, it is. It's so It, easy. it is. It's, it's your mind that stops you from doing that stuff. You know, oh, what about my job? And oh, I've you know, some people literally can't in their minds. They can't because they're paying off the car. They can't because you know you, you promised your wife or your girl that you would do this and stick this out. And so people get themselves into this predicament where they can't just get out and do what we're doing now. I
0: said that to a friend the other day. Actually, I was talking to a friend on the phone, and they were whinging about. They hate their job and they hate their life and they have to get up and they've got to go to it and blah, blah, and saying, oh, I'm so lucky yeah. that what I'm doing. And I go, you didn't realize I'm just choosing to do this. That's I'm like, right. you're choosing to go to work and do something that yeah. you don't like doing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm just choosing to go do something I like doing. Yeah. I'm just going to go do what I like it's doing. The I was fear, like, Why man. And I just said to her, I was like, why are you choosing to do something that you don't like doing, something that you that is detrimental to your life and your mental state yeah like just don't do it
1: yeah well and they just it's the fear it's the fear of the unknown it is the fear of the unknown man that's the biggest thing your mind and and, oh what if this happens and what if I mean we never would have left Canada on this old boat hey so
0: the Percy Islands you were telling me a story earlier the Percy Islands is the next chain north of the Great Keppel Island chain which we're in now yeah off your, your your poon and now it's a lot more remote now you told me this story um, of sailing there, what was this twenty years ago? Uh,
1: two thousand and one I sailed there, yeah, everyone told us not to because it was the height of cyclone season, but uh, being what twenty five or twenty four years old or something, I was like, whatever you know that 'll be fun and uh, I took took off on a on a fiberglass lightweight racing boat, a sailing boat with a girlfriend of mine and a dog, and took off for the for north and uh, luckily, we stumbled across the Percy Islands because as we got there. I remember just putting the anchor down and looking back, and I don't know if you've ever seen Independence Day. So you weren't even heading for
0: the Perseus? No, we were heading just north. heading
1: north and sort of bumped into it, really. But looking behind me, I never forget the, the cloud, the dark cloud was inches off the water and as wide as you could possibly see. It looked like Independence Day when the sort of aliens come down. You just got that black front. Like an inch off the water just coming straight for us and I'm like, well this doesn't look good. I anchored and and we just had radio reception, because it's a fair way out. And the guy says, mate, you've just sailed into basically into a cyclone you're gonna be stuck there. We were stuck there for five weeks. And that was the first time I sort of, you know, ran out of food. We only had enough food in the boat for a week. And uh yeah, it was that was difficult, you know. Within within a couple of weeks I'm having to climb coconut trees, kill goats. You know, and obviously Australia you're not allowed a gun, so uh, killing a goat was really difficult. I had to sit in the bush for the better part of a day, hiding behind a tree, just waiting and waiting for a for a, for something to walk past and dive out and grab it. And it was horrific. It's horrible. So
0: did you do it? You had to do it with your bare hands, with a
1: knife. D- it was no, nah, I did it really. It was actually easy because I was hungry, and I put my arm around his neck and grabbed his little sort of uh, horn and twisted his head 360 degrees. Oh, shit. And just went crack, and that was it. He just went limp, and I went, well, that was easy. That was easy, that bit. The hard bit is string him up from a tree by his back legs, and then, you know, I mean, this is going to get... Again, again, uh, uh, we've
0: got to reiterate to people listening to this. It's like, so you've got a weak of rations week of food and you're stuck on an island for another four weeks past your week of food yeah and the only thing the island has to provide so you've gone into foraging so then it's like trying to catch fish mm. it's trying to um get coconuts and then it's trying to look at what Everyone what else. the air what that island can provide for you to save your life is basically what it is yeah it's basically you're in a survival situation you know, and people might say, "Oh, yeah, no, but you put yourself there because you sailed when you shouldn't have, blah, blah." But no, but this is raw. This is like Power. how we—that's right—live our lives. Like it's survival.
1: You know what the goats were put there for? For people who, like myself, get stuck there. Really? Yeah, that's why the goats are there—not to look after the land. Or is that why they're on this island? Uh, there's goats on this island. I, I why. I, I, uh, maybe not so much here because we're only. An hour and a half to Australia, but on the Percy's, it's a long way out. You don't see real speed boats there. It keeps sort of all you've got to have a boat that's set up to get out there. Yeah, you need lots of water. It's and
0: just on the so it's just on the, the Percy Island, just on the inside of the Great Barrier Reef,
1: but off. How it
0: off? But, it, no, but it's south of Mackay, it's, it's, south, quite south. So
1: it's a little bit south of Mackay, but it's straight out from Mackay about 60 miles, it's about 100 miles north of here. And a typical sailing boat does roughly 100 miles a day, so 24 hours. So we could leave now at midday and get there tomorrow at midday.
0: Yeah, right. Brilliant passage. So, how did you decide you're going to kill a goat?
1: Well, because you're hungry, it's easy, like you said yeah there's no there's not. you don't even think about it you're hungry
0: and then once you ate like did you have any remorse or like
1: nah not at all absolutely Uh, the only thing I felt sorry for because I had my spear and I'm trying I I jumped in the water and and there's like five meter waves breaking around the point the water's so dirty I couldn't see my hand in front of me I'm like I've got no chance of catching a fish it wasn't nice out there so I walked into a lagoon and in the lagoon there happened to be all these little shovel nose sharks which are like a stingray in about an inch of water so i could just walk up and just bang shoot my shoot my spear into the back of his head lift it up and put it on my fire and that that's basically like uh, calamari the mm. flaps off the off the stingray or the flaps from the shovel nose shock so they were nice eating i mean even if there was a, a fine because they were protected or something that's not going to stop you from eating a
0: like when you're starving nah. so like because you're in this storm for stuck out in a cyclone now these are north Queensland central Queensland hurricanes that we get up here which are insanely yeah. pretty, insanely um,
1: destructive
0: yeah now your boat being anchored did it have a good anchor and like I'm guessing you wouldn't even be able to stay on the boat you would nah. have to stay on land
1: yeah I couldn't stay on the boat just getting back to the boat because you know my girl's like get to the boat don't you forgot this and you forgot that we need the mosquito net and so because the cyclone had just come upon us so i had to Mm. start getting stuff off the boat and getting on and off was just horrendous waves breaking like it was huge and destructive i mean we got 64 knots which was recorded uh on on the basically where we were on the island and it blew for about three weeks and the weather was shit for about five Shit. So, so just cooking just trying to cook and light a fire when it's when it's blowing, you know, over a hundred kilometer an hour, hundred kilometer an winds, and also raining, the rain's coming sideways to light a fire. Everything's soaking wet.
0: It'll just take a couple of weeks just for the water clarity just to clear after something oh, like yeah. that. Everything you coming out of
1: the rivers. You weren't sco- You weren't going to go spearing. You're not catching fish. Nah, you're not catching fish. That is
0: what's so scary. Like it could, even to me, it's like in the back of my mind, it's like. To be on an island like this okay well there's no water source so I'm like oh I've got coconuts yeah no, but if you don't have coconuts okay then you're fucked yeah okay if you I've got spe- I can spear
1: yeah
0: if we get a big rain or something here and that fish and that protein that's my livelihood um yeah, yeah. if you get dirty water coming through then I can't spear I, no. can't, I can't catch fish yeah and then it's like okay well then I can forage but there's no seaside foraging on here. Okay, so you've got oysters on here and pippies. Yeah. But as far as plants-wise, because there's goats on this island, they've kind of...
1: Eaten everything. They've eaten all that. They've. Um, well, you'd take a goat.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's what it comes down to. It was like, It'd be hard.
1: It'd be, they wouldn't, they're not that easy to catch. I know, but... It, you'd get one, though. You'd work it out. Yeah. You'd set a trap. You'd dig a hole. You'd flush them that way through this tight section. Because you, you have to. And you can't choose either. That's the yeah. other thing. You can't... But
0: my, my point's kind of being like those levels of getting of survival yeah of where you've got to get of how you get to that goat, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like you're just like, oh I'm hungry I'll right, just go kill a goat. It's yeah. just like you're it's like it's cornered you, nature's cornered you into you, a corner. That's right. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's your way out. That's your way yeah. to survive.
1: Yeah, it's funny you just you don't you don't think about it. You just it's just like starting your car off, brushing your teeth or killing a goat.
0: Yeah, but I, I I can guarantee like right now, like even you and me right now, where we've just had a nice breakfast this morning that you cooked. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for brekkie too. No worries. Yeah, a nice breakfast that you cooked. If we go, there's no way I could go kill a goat. Nah. There's no, I'd have tears in my eyes watching some, oh would be oh a, You'd God. be
1: buggered for a couple of weeks, you wouldn't go to sleep.
0: I had to put a goat down on this island here because... Oh, yes. uh, a dog that lived on this island got it a baby goat like two weeks old it had bitten the, the both sides of the guts out, and I found it on the beach, crying in this pool of blood and I had to dig a hole and it took me half an hour to build up the courage to put that thing oh, down it's and oh, man I had cried I had tears in my eyes I had nightmares after it it was such a devastating experience, right, and I even often think I wonder how that experience would be i think the biggest thing was that the the thing was in pain and i couldn't control that it wasn't me like when i kill a fish or something i try and like put it out of its misery straight away yeah you know what i mean and it's like i don't know it was just so hard to see this little thing crying and have to put it out and i dug a big hole and like you did the right thing though it wrecked me having a Take that thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's like all the guys out west when you've got all the kangaroos and the kangaroos are, you know, they've been hit by a truck or a car. And it's on the side of the road and it's wiggling. Oh. Like these guys will stop and put up its misery
0: i carry a little axe in my troopie for that yeah just in case i haven't had to do it yet yeah. um i thought i had to one time and i got out and the thing bounced off i just had a rude kamikaze itself as they do just jump into me as i drove past yeah it bounced off and i got out and it was it was just in shock but it bounced off but i got out with the axe just going please I, please be okay i don't want to nah. put this thing down no nah. hey but um dude we've been talking I can't even see the screen here, but we've been talking for over an hour. Awesome. This has been a brilliant podcast, but I really want to iterate um, how good your videos are on your YouTube channel is and what you're doing online because you're putting up really, really good content because you've got really good cameras, really good drones, and as you've said, you've been a drone pilot for longer than anyone in australia yeah so how you're the footage you're actually getting with these drones by how you fly them is just it's it's blown my mind out and i've really really enjoyed watching the videos you've done the last couple of days so
1: it's been fun man it's been great having you here
0: yes well thanks man so the people listening how do we get to your youtube
1: uh it's the geordie the witch and the wench
0: just on YouTube just yeah. type that straight in the yeah. Geordie the Witch and the Wench yeah right, and I'm going to have that up on my website and link to this um, on the Instagram and everything too but um, so you can see you can actually so you can actually go back and watch all the videos of you you and Aaron going from Vancouver all the storms you went in all the amazing places that you sailed
1: we're not your average sailing sort of uh, people
0: especially because this is an old wooden
1: pipe oh, yeah. ship pretty much yeah it's, it wasn't easy yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's why it's been such good te- content and why you're getting so many followers and, yeah. and viewers on
1: it. <laughs> People just think this guy's mental, but it's not. It's fun. Yeah. You
0: know? Hey, um. Oh, well, that's that's cool. I reckon I reckon that water, especially sitting in here with this um, Wild Earth Australia black t-shirt on,
1: it's definitely time to get in the water.
0: Yeah, it's crystal clear. It's looking at us. It's begging for us to do it. Let's do it. We're in a green zone, so we can't spear here here unfortunately. But at least there's going to be heaps of fish to dive with. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cool, man. Thanks for having me on board. Thank you. That's great. Thanks Cheers. so much. Cheers, dude. Just <laughs> say tanya mengapa
0: <Sings> apa cinta I do it like a double. (laughs)